0: Throughout working life there are some things you can be sure of, like you'll develop organisational skills, you'll get the hang of spell checking, as soon as you shear the sheep, it'll snow, you can be sure you'll brighten someone's day, and you can be sure that from July KiwiSaver will be available. It's the easy way to
1: If you join KiwiSaver, the government will give you a tax cut of up to $1,040 paid into your scheme, an upfront payment of $1,000 and will compel your employer to also contribute to your schemes.
2: KiwiSaver, making easy work of saving. But
1: you will have to also put in at least 4% and you can't touch your retirement savings until you turn 65. The Chief Executive of the Investment Savings and Insurance Association, Vance Arkenstall, explains how good the scheme is for investors.
3: If you sit down and, and do, do something like, I don't know what would be a fair figure, but if you take somebody on, on 50,000, uh, an employee on 50,000, they're going to put in their 4%, so they'll put in 2,000 of their contribution. Government's going to chip a 1,000 in, plus a tax credit. So at the end of the first year, they've got $4,040 in it before they get any earnings from the scheme itself. So they've doubled their money. Next year they're going to put another two thousand in. They get a thousand and forty tax credit. The employer is going to chip in one percent, so that's five hundred, fifteen hundred dollars. So they've got another three thousand five hundred there. So at the end of the year two, put in four thousand dollars. Their account's worth seven and a half thousand dollars. And I mean, it just gets better from there because the following year the employer contribution's gone up. Um, so the return is. I mean, it's a pretty compelling argument.
1: The revenue minister Peter Dunn, also believes there's a strong argument for people to stick with KiwiSaver, even though they'll have to give up 4% of their take-home pay. When you pose the
4: question, it becomes not so much a can you afford to be in KiwiSaver argument, but can you afford not to be? And I think that's the judgment that a lot of people will come to. Now, there will be people who will take advantage of the, the opt-out provisions or the provision to um, suspend their contributions for a period of time. I think for others, the attraction of the, the capacity to convert to housing investment will be a key component for them. Um, so I suspect it's going to be very difficult to categorise precisely who the winners and losers will be. I think you'll see a whole range of people becoming involved for a whole variety of different reasons.
1: Even the critics of the deal, and there are some, believe it's too good a deal for people to ignore. But Michael Littlewood, the co-director of the Retirement Policy and Research Centre at Auckland University, doesn't believe KiwiSaver is good policy.
5: We're going to be spending what the government says will be $1.2 billion a year of taxpayers' money uh, on a project which, in my view at least, has an ill-defined role and probably is not even needed. And I think the $1.2 billion is likely to be a low estimate. It is now so good a deal that the cost is likely to exceed $2 billion.
1: Michael Littlewood, who is also the director of a financial services company providing KiwiSaver schemes, believes the argument that households aren't saving enough is wrong. At
5: a micro level, at a household level, about two-thirds of New Zealanders are either saving enough or more than enough for retirement. So what the government now is doing with KiwiSaver really is addressing the 33% who aren't and with no evidence or no basis on which to to project whether or not it's actually going to do anything for that group.
1: Where does that argument range? Because you've also got the Reserve Bank which has constantly been telling us that we spend too much and don't save enough.
5: That's an interesting question or observation and it's derived from the macroeconomic numbers which look at so-called household savings. But what you need to understand is that the OECD now no longer uses our household saving numbers because they are so unconfident that they actually say anything useful. And if that's what the international agency believes,
1: how come we're making policy that is founded on that so-called fact? So he thinks taxpayers' money could be wasted on a scheme which isn't needed. When the government first announced KiwiSaver in 2005, there were no tax incentives. Then, it was a fairly simple scheme where workers would be automatically enrolled in KiwiSaver when they started a new job. Apart from the $1,000 upfront payment, there was little else to encourage them to stay in a KiwiSaver scheme. In fact, the Finance Minister, Michael Cullen, had been adamant tax incentives were not a solution.
6: What changed his mind? What you can't question is the fact that New Zealand Inc. is not saving. We have a chronic, and at the moment large, uh, chronic current account deficit and that's the gap between our savings uh, and our investment. Uh, There are public concerns about the uh, level of of foreign ownership of the New Zealand economy and we see day by day further concerns coming through. There are clearly weaknesses in New Zealand capital markets.
1: But the National Party's finance spokesman, Bill English, thinks Dr Cullen is too obsessed with savings.
6: There needs to be a better balance
2: between the focus on long-term savings and the focus on growth in the next five to ten years. There's no point in this telling our 20-year-olds that the best thing they can look forward to in this, in this country is a plush rest home. They want jobs and opportunities now if we're going to keep them here, but also if we want to lift incomes. People have to pay bills now, not just when the baby boomers are worried about it. You know, If you're 50, you're worried about paying your bills when you're 70. But if you're, you're 30 and you're having your first child, you've got to pay some bills now. And Dr Cullen's strategy is overbalanced on long-term savings.
1: The Revenue Minister Peter Dunn, who is also the leader of the government support party United Future, is another strong backer of the move to offer a tax advantage to Kiwi Saver investors.
4: I look at it more as a tax credit rather than a tax incentive. This is, I think, a payment that's being made in lieu of a a direct tax cut. It's effectively saying we're taking the equivalent of $20 a week and dedicating it to your long-term savings rather than giving that to you in the hand as a tax cut for immediate consumption.
1: KiwiSaver is also a political vehicle for the government and Michael Cullen is spending a lot of time promoting the scheme.
6: Thank you very much for inviting me along. Um, great, Great pleasure to be here. I always like going to printing firms anyway. I think it's just great fun watching what's going on. But I'm here to talk a little bit about KiwiSaver, which comes... Into here,
1: Dr Cullen tells workers at a print shop in downtown Wellington just how good the scheme is for them. And while there's still a lot of confusion about KiwiSaver, among both employers and workers, it is attracting support. In Auckland... The General Manager of the industrial printing company Permark Industries, David Jack, is a keen supporter.
7: It would be a bit duplicious of me to say I'm a supporter of the scheme and then, then not expect to have to do any work for it, and I think that's where it comes down to. It, it will certainly add a bit of burden, to, it takes up some of my time and it will take up quite a bit more time, but you know, I think it's got a, uh, a good objective for our employees in the country out of the end of it.
1: Permark employs 50 staff, two of them sales reps based in Australia, where the company exports about 30% of its work.
7: We have got two employees in Australia and it's just a natural thing that every month we put something into a suspense account and then every three months we, we have to make sure we, we pay that into the superannuation fund.
1: So you're thankful this government didn't lump you with a 9% contribution? Very, yes, yes.
7: <laughs> yes, um, I mean, and, and they must be aware of that as well. But, you know, I guess the, the contra to that is that uh, we've had 30% corporate tax over there for, for a few years as well.
1: David Jack took me through the factory.
7: Great. Fred Edwards from Radio New Zealand just asking Hiya. people about KiwiSaver. KiwiSaver, you, do you
1: know what KiwiSaver
8: is? Uh, yep, yep.
1: Is, is it an attractive option for you to go into KiwiSaver?
8: I haven't had a good look at it yet, so um, I certainly will have a look at it. And it's not too bad, I guess. But what I've seen so far seems all right, yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. I'll have a good look at it, I suppose. It made my mind up, that's all.
1: Across Auckland, one of the country's largest companies is also keen on KiwiSaver. Peter Mary is the Executive General Manager of Human Resources at the Fletcher Building Group.
9: We think KiwiSaver is a good idea. We think the idea of a, port- a you know, scheme which is portable, which locks in savings for, for, for most people, for, for, for their working lives, so that it's accessible at the end, that those sorts of things resonate with us and, and we're pretty much in line with our thinking, our, our initial thinking in this scheme.
1: He says before KiwiSaver was promoted, Fletchers had already been looking at setting up its own workplace savings scheme.
9: We were on the point of launching our own master trust arrangement. When uh, the budget speech in 2005, I think it was, um, announced the arrival of KiwiSaver, we were, we were about a month away from launching our own programme. And at that point we stepped back and said, hang on a minute, we'd better take stock. It's going to be confusing, and you know, should we be doing our own thing if in fact there is this much broader national initiative coming along? And indeed that's what we did. We stepped back and we said, let's wait and see.
1: Mr Mary says late changes to KiwiSaver in the May budget have caused some complications, but the company is confident it can deal with them.
9: We're pretty comfortable that we will be able to implement without too much difficulty. It helps us that we have one payroll system for um, the majority of our New Zealand businesses, and that scale allows us to work centrally uh, from a single point in order to get things right, right across the operation. And we're used to dealing with, uh, you know, with, 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 with very large numbers on our payroll, so we, we, you know, we, we're reasonably well-positioned. I can imagine the that for some smaller employers or less well-resourced employers, KiwiSaver may pose some challenges.
1: The Chief Executive of the Northern Employers and Manufacturers Association, Alistair Thompson, agrees small businesses are going to struggle dealing with KiwiSaver.
0: For the small and medium-sized businesses, it's a nightmare for them. I know, I, know, I mean, there's tons and tons of small employers out there who don't even know what KiwiSaver is. They think it has something to do with Kiwi Bank. I, I mean, I, truly... Even even smart people that I talk to say do I have to open an account at Kiwi Bank what's it all about? how do I do this I mean the level of understanding amongst small and medium-sized businesses and most of the public out there is abysmal
1: The Association's advisory services manager David Lowe says the late changes have caused real problems
0: Many uh, businesses have been a long way down the track into putting KiwiSaver Mark 1 um, in place And all of that has to be thrown out and started again with only five weeks to go. And that really just wasn't on for them.
1: Why does it all have to be thrown out? Can can they not sort of add on to what they've already done?
0: Oh, that's true. I I guess to say it's all got to be thrown out um, is an overstatement. But what has happened is there's been a lot of changes made to uh, payroll systems, to uh, staff training that's been developed, and now a lot of it has to be reworked. A payroll system, uh, you know, certain changes would not have been made if we had have known what was in the budget, and likewise, staff training that had already been developed now has to be reworked as well.
1: Alistair Thompson says business supports Kiwisaver, but is disappointed with the way the government has shoved through changes such as the compulsory employer contribution without consultation.
0: Dr Cullen repeated over and over again with Mark I that this was a saving scheme for employees. Employers would only have to be involved to the extent that they would have to make the deductions and account for it and pass the money on to inland revenue and department, etc. And the CTU put its hand up and said, well, look, you know, how about compulsory employer contributions too, right at the beginning, and um, Dr Cullen said, no, 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 this is not going to be compulsory. Employers may contribute if they want, and uh, we would encourage them to, but it will not be compulsory. This is an absolute undertaking. It's not going to be compulsory. And of course, he made it compulsory with Mark II. Again, you know, funnily enough, we would not, if we'd been consulted, absolutely have
6: opposed at being made compulsory.
1: But Dr Cullen defends the secrecy around the changes.
6: The compulsory employer contribution doesn't start till 1 April next year. Um, The legislation hasn't been passed for that yet. It's got to go through the House. It's in front of the Select Committee at the moment. So around the details of that, clearly there is the the standard parliamentary process of consultation. I think at the end of the day, there was a need to take some decisive action and to really capture public attention uh, around KiwiSaver. And an extended process of consultation before announcement, I think, would have undermined that.
1: The Council of Trade Unions economist, Peter Conway, says employers
8: can't complain too much. It does have to be remembered that the full $20 a week subsidy for the employer contribution, in other words the employer tax credit, is available from April next year. Now if if you're trying to get up to 4% straight away on higher income workers, OK, $20 a week is not so much of an offset, but for a very significant number of employers out there, they could go above the 1% in April next year and get that cost completely offset by the government. So I think most employers will come round to it. Naturally, the organisations, they don't like any form of compulsion, so they're saying they don't like it. But in general, I think there's been quite a good response, and we've seen some leading employers, Coca-Cola in New Zealand, quite a number, already saying, look, we're on board with this.
1: But Peter Conway does have some concerns about the scheme. He believes requiring workers to put aside 4% of their income makes it too difficult for low-income earners to be part of the scheme. There is a transitional arrangement where workers, by agreement before March next year, can put in 2% and have that matched by their employers to meet the 4% threshold.
8: But that doesn't really solve the problem about what about low-income workers after April next year.
1: If the threshold remains too high, you know, will that criticism that some have made stick that it's tax credits, tax incentives for the well-off?
8: Yes, it will. I think offset against that, I suppose the government could say that they've weighted the benefits by making it a flat dollar, Um, they've they've weighted them a bit more towards lower income people and they've weighted, if you like, uh, for someone on $26,000 a year, uh, the employer contribution of 4% is fully funded by the government, if you like, but clearly, you know, that's small compensation if you can't even get in the tent.
1: Michael Littlewood from Auckland University also identifies the 4% threshold as an issue.
5: To me, the answer is quite clear that most New Zealanders should join. The only people who can't join are the people who can't afford to. And that is, again, one of the major problems with KiwiSaver 2. It's regressive. It has the low paid who can't afford to join paying higher taxes to finance the contributions of those who can afford to join.
1: Michael Cullen acknowledges it's harder for people on low incomes to save, but not impossible
6: somebody who's on an invalid's benefit, actually their income goes up when they go on to New Zealand superannuation. So in that sense, why would they want to reduce their current income to improve their future income? Because their future income is actually going to be larger uh, than their current income. And I think you have to get that sort of economic rationality does come into play at some stage. I think the argument also ignores the compulsory enrollment provision and the fact that deduction occurs immediately. So if somebody is moving from a job, particularly say they're moving from a job that's 25,000 a year to 28,000 a year, if they can just put up with taking only a small part of the increase in the hand and foregoing the rest remaining into their KiwiSaver scheme, which they're automatically enrolled into, they will nearly treble their savings as a result of the employer contribution and as a result of the government contribution.
1: The 4% minimum contribution for workers was imposed, however, at a time when there were no tax concessions or compulsory employer contributions for KiwiSaver. Now those are in place, it's more likely the minimum contribution for low-paid people could be lowered. Vance Arkinstall of the Investment Savings and Insurance Association.
3: We as an industry were, were happy with the 4% for a start because to go any lower meant that you were going to have funds that were very small, reasonably costly to administer. How are we going to provide the best return for the investor? Particularly if people started at you know 1% or 2% contributions. Take a long time to build up. But now the two, now, now the 4% and with the employer contributing... Perhaps as you look forward there's an argument that says if you've got employers contributing and you've got the employee, perhaps you could think about lowering the employee's minimum contribution to make it easier for more people to get in. And whilst we haven't had the debate yet about that, I'm sure that we as an industry would think that's probably quite a good idea.
1: And while workers shifting jobs have the right to opt out of KiwiSaver, some think it might eventually become compulsory.
3: Vance Arkenstall is one who thinks so. I think it's less likely to become compulsory for employees, but I think if you look forward, it's pretty soon going to become compulsory for employers, totally, and for an employer to be contributing in respect of all of their employees. And really, when you think about it, as we move forward, as more and more people get into to KiwiSaver, you'll pretty quickly move to a position where more than 50% of the population are saving through KiwiSaver and other vehicles. And then it's a relatively easy move for a government to say and we should make this compulsory.
1: Revenue Minister Peter Dunn also personally favours making KiwiSaver compulsory.
4: I need to make the point that is not the government's policy at this stage. My own personal view and I think the view of some others uh, is that this is a short step in that direction that at a point where uh, you have a significant level of buy-in It's easier to make the conversion to a compulsory scheme. As I say, my personal view is that that's what will happen, but it's not the government's policy at this stage, and I don't think this enhancement is being promoted with that almost uh, subliminal intention
1: in mind. And, of course, the New Zealand First Leader, Winston Peters, has long been an advocate of compulsory savings. He says KiwiSaver is a good start.
10: I wouldn't have gone down that path, but I admit it's an alternative, and it's better than nothing. It's Far, far better than nothing. I still prefer the straight tax uh, trade-off for personalised savings. But you can easily go from where we are now to the individualised, personalised accounts with a far wider contribution from the community. I think in a very few, short number of years, though, this scheme has the ability to sell itself conceptually to a far greater n- number of New Zealanders. Uh, I can't why, imagine why anyone is not taking, going for it now given that the government gives them a big start.
1: Eventually, making KiwiSaver compulsory might solve one of the concerns per Mark's David Jack has.
7: The most difficult one is is going to be three to four years down the track when you've got half your employees participating and and half not participating. And then looking at the whole remuneration package bit as as to how that plays out.
1: Do you think you'll get pressure from those employees who who aren't in the scheme to say, well, hold it, you're giving so-and-so another 4%, why don't you just give me that in the pay packet? Pay
7: packet. Uh, yes, I think it's a bit early to be starting to make any any moves on that. As I look at it, in the first two years at least, it's not actually going to cost me anything as an employer because it, as it goes from 1% to 2%, my con- my employer contributions will be matched by, by the government. So for two years, it's going to be
1: neutral. Another big question for KiwiSaver is what will the National Party do if it leads the government after next year's election? Its finance spokesman and deputy leader Bill English says the party has some concerns about the scheme, but he gives this assurance.
2: There will be a KiwiSaver, and secondly, any arrangements between government and employees now, you know, any subsidies or whatever, whatever's done between now and next election, stays—you know that all stays in place there's no risk that people will find themselves retrospectively worse off.
1: Bill English says National supports much of what's in KiwiSaver, despite being sceptical about Labour's arguments for introducing it.
2: If KiwiSaver gets people thinking about risk and return, where can this money go, is that investment performing, where can I put money for 30 years, what's the appropriate investment for that, then we'll have, I think, a much more um, informed public and better capital markets. Not so much because of the quantity of money, because I don't think this will make much difference to the quantity of money going in, but because you've got a much broader public interest in what's going on and more pressure for performance.
1: As well, National will be aware of the attractiveness of KiwiSaver to many workers. The Finance Minister, Michael Cullen, has described it as a slow burner. He's expecting many workers to sign up and then get their first KiwiSaver annual report in August next year, just before the general election and the New Zealand First Leader, Winston Peters, has a warning for National.
10: This will be a big issue going into the next election in 2008. The people of New Zealand need to know, uh, you know who's on side and who's against it so that they're not caught by a surprise reaction or retrograde action post-election. I can't conceive of any genuinely national or conservative party claiming to have that sort of ideology, making those sorts of r- ridiculous threats. It's endemic, it's an eight in conservative thinking to have savings. And what on earth are they playing stupid politics for on this issue? And if we have any say, they won't get down the track doing that, uh, I can assure you. So we'll campaign really hard for it.
1: The Retirement Commissioner, Diana Crossan, hopes the parties will agree on the main features of Kiwi KiwiSaver.
4: While I say that we need a trusted financial or services sector, the second thing I think we need is stable, effective government policy. And if we don't have that, it's very hard for the population to decide what to do in the long term. So time will tell whether the core of KiwiSaver is the thing different parties agree to. And they may tinker around the edges, but uh, let's hope they don't swing, have great swings of change because it's certainly not a very good thing for long-term saving.
1: The chief executive of the economic think tank the New Zealand Institute, David Skilling, also believes it's important there's political consensus around KiwiSaver.
11: I think that broad-based political support for savings policy is critically important. Savings, by its nature, is a long-lived activity with, with long horizons. And in the same way as having political consensus around that the public pension uh, has been really quite important, I think so it is with the, the, the private savings uh, regime uh, as well. I don't know that the National Party have a declared position. I know they're sceptical about aspects of, of KiwiSaver. But for people to really have confidence to contribute... Uh, and to see KiwiSaver as a key part of a landscape then having support from other political parties including the National Party uh, is critically important. I think also by the, by the same token if you look at the uh, the behaviour or at least announced behaviour of firms like Fletcher Building and New Zealand on the Stock Exchange it will be quite difficult to roll this thing back once it's already come into existence. Uh, firms will have contracts with employers that embed KiwiSaver contributions into contracts. So. The fact that this thing gets up and running reasonably soon I think will make it quite difficult to roll back uh, even if there is a change in government. Michael Littlewood remains sceptical. The first home deposit
5: scheme is going to increase the price of houses in the bottom quartile because sellers will see an increased demand there and they will try to capture part of that increased spending in higher prices. So the help that's been intended for the buyer ends up benefiting the seller and that's the way markets work. We're going to see a return to the old days where chattels are valued separately from the house in order to slide the house in under the limit, the purchase limit that's been set. We're going to see salary sacrifice arrangements designed to reduce the income of people uh, in order to get them in under the income level for 1st home deposits. All of these will be sensible economic responses, but that's not what retirement savings all about. That's not what KiwiSaver
1: should be all about. Why are we doing this? But finally, the success of KiwiSaver will be determined in the country's workplaces, and some workers, despite the carrot of a substantial tax incentive, remain unsure.
0: I haven't really decided whether I think it's a good thing or a bad thing yet. Well, I'm still thinking on the not side myself, but...
1: Why is that?
0: Well, I've got... Things set up already for retirement and um, things like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still sort of looking at it. I'm still on the fence at the moment, really. It's just government can change things further down the track and you end up with nothing again. I've done it before, so I'd rather control my own.
10: I'm
9: aware of it. I think people are going to hurt to start with, putting the money into it, $24. Eventually it won't hurt. i will get used to it. Personally, I'm not sure. It might have helped if it was government guaranteed in some way. So I know that when I'm 65, it's there. It hasn't gone offshore or elsewhere. And that's probably my major concern.
1: But the government is confident the take-up of KiwiSaver will be high. And by election time next year, it's hoping it will be one factor voters take into account as they enter the polling booths.
2: KiwiSaver. Making easy work of saving.